Jesus, we just want to just worship you. What is there that we can give you? But our thanksgiving, our love, our worship. Holy Spirit, would you just come and fill us all anew and speak to us. This service is yours, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, team. For those of you who've heard this story before, you're in for a treat because you get to hear it again. So um, I was a scrawny little child. There was a picture for you to see. I was very cute, wasn't I? Was I cute? Yeah. I was very cute. I was very little and very scrawny. Um, but I had a very big view of myself. I remember going to Sunday school and the teacher was talking about Samson, a strong man. So strong, he pushed two pillars of the building and the building collapsed. And I was sitting there going, so? I could do that too. I just don't. And I also believed with all my heart that if I punched someone with all my might, they would die. I really believed it. So can I have the next picture? So this is me and my dad and my brother. And it, th this whole thing unfolded on this couch, okay, this story. So I, a five-year-old me, went up to my brother and I said, Go, which is big brother in Chinese, Go, uh, what is nicer, pink or blue? And he said blue. And I was like, what? Um, huh? It, that, it can't be right. It's pink. In my five-year-old mind, I did not understand that people could prefer different things. I did not understand that there was relativity. I did not understand any of that. All I knew was pink was the greatest color, okay? And my brother had no heart. He just went blue, and he just left. And I was left there reeling, my world shaking a little bit. I was like, well, what's happening? How can this be happening? And I went to the guy I trusted the most out of my big brother. It was my dad. And I could see my dad sitting on that sofa with no top because it's very hot in Malaysia. All I remember was a newspaper and his tummy from under the newspaper. He was sitting there, minding his own business, reading the newspaper. And here I came, shaking from my worldview, being challenged. And I came up to dad. Surely dad will be right. I said, Dad, what's better, pink or blue? And Dad said, blue. <laughs> I did not know how to process that. And all I remember was this rage coming up from deep within. And I mustered up all my strength. And I punched my father in the stomach. He didn't die. Not only did he not die, he didn't even flinch. <laughs> Everything I had believed at that point turned out to be a lie. I went into the bedroom, threw myself on the bed, and cried myself to sleep. Nobody comforted me. My five-year-old self had very little self-awareness. And what I'm going to be talking about today has all to do with self-awareness. 
Um, at Door of Hope, we have three strategic goals for the next three years, and they're super exciting. One is knowing people. We really want to get to know each other. Second is embracing authenticity. And third is to engage our digital community. This morning, we had the first digital community person come get baptized. That was so exciting. Anyway, so embrace, embracing authenticity, embracing authenticity. We want to be a community where we are real, where if we are happy, we can admit that we are happy, we can laugh. If we are sad, we can admit that we are sad, we can cry. We can be real and nobody judges anybody. That is what we want, a beautiful safety. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. This is how we are called to live. And yet we know it is not that simple. Let me ask you, how are you? <laughs> fine, Wayne said, without even thinking. Now, yeah, he's, he's fine. He's really fine. When people ask me how I am, I try to, you know, be as honest as I can be without being crazy. You know, it's like I don't need to share all the information of what's happening in my life. When people say, how are you? And I'm doing great. I'm like, great. And if I'm not doing too, it's a, a bit meh, then it's, well, it's okay. I'm, I'm okay. And if they, if everything sucks, then, and they say, how, how are things? Well, everything sucks. <laughs> and, um, but I don't need to go telling them all the details. I'm just, we're just struggling a bit here and, you know, things like that. The reason I do this is because I just don't want to not be real. I want to be honest and be real. And I want people around me to feel, to have the permission to be the same. But to be honest, when someone asks me how I am, I, I often pause and think, one, I'm trying to think how I really am, what I've been doing. But also, I... I realize that even though I want to be super honest, I sometimes don't really know how I am. I may know how I feel, but I don't know why I feel the way I do. I may know that I talk in a certain way. I don't know why I say that or why I think in a certain way. So even if I am 100% honest with you, you still don't know the real me because I don't even know the real me. But Jesus does. You see, Jesus knew himself. He knew who he was. He knew what he was sent to do. He knew what he wasn't sent to do. He worked hard doing what he was sent to do. He was the most authentic person. He lived, he, oh, sorry. he laughed, he cried, he got angry, but he never sinned. He was so stressed at the Garden of Gethsemane before he died on the cross, that he sweated like what looked like um, drops of blood. And then he said to those three closest to him, I am anguished to the point of death. So if we say we are follow followers of Jesus, we also need to be like Jesus. We need to know who we are. We need to know what we're sent to do. We need to do, know what we're not sent to do. We need to know our feelings, feel our feelings, but not sin. We need to be able to be honest with those closest to us. Jesus didn't just know himself. He knew others. He knew people. 
you know, all through the Gospels, whenever someone talks to Jesus, it's like, yeah, good luck. You know, he just looks right through them. It's the same with us. When we come to Jesus, he looks right through us. There was a young man who came to Jesus and said, I want to follow you. And Jesus looked right through him and he knew what was holding this man back. And he said, give up your wealth. And he couldn't do it, sadly. And then there was a Samaritan woman, an outcast that Jesus sought out. This woman who was hiding because of a life of shame from her interesting, um, promiscuous lifestyle. And while she was, she didn't even know what her deepest need was, but Jesus did. Jesus knew that her need was the Holy Spirit to satisfy her deepest thirst. Nicodemus, who came to Jesus, a religious leader, um, Jesus, he had it all together, but Jesus looked right through him and Jesus knew what he needed was to come alive again, to be born again by the Holy Spirit. And Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector, rich guy, but a big bad guy in the eyes of the Jews. Jesus knew his need for love, for belonging, for forgiveness. We may not know how we are, why we are the way we are, why we say the way, uh, what we say, but Jesus does. So I want to invite us all to come into a conversation with Jesus for Jesus to show us what's really happening inside. I would like you to buckle your seatbelt because this is actually a very vulnerable sermon. It's going to get a little bit much. So end of last year, I got a little bit burnt out. Not so much because of busyness, but because of heartache. I got a little bit burnt out. And I decided that during the December holidays, the, I don't know why I thought it was smart at the time, the smart thing to do was to have a break from ministry, from church. During, it's my holidays. So to have a break in my mind was I stayed away from church services, even online. I neglected my Bible reading. I was still reading, but I wasn't pursuing God. And my prayer slowed right down. Jesus said, abide in me and I will abide in you. That means stay connected with me and I'll stay connected with you. And little did I know in my attempt to have a break, I stopped abiding in Jesus. King David in the Old Testament, you know, he had a job to do. But instead of doing his job, he grew complacent, had an afternoon nap, walked on the roof, look at his neighbor's wife, take a bath, and then do really awful stuff after that. He sinned because of one afternoon of idleness, and that's what happened to me. One afternoon of idleness. I, um, I, the idleness led me back to an unhealthy thought behavior, a sinful thought pattern from my past that the Lord had delivered me from 14 years ago. At that time, 14 years ago, I was wrangled up in an awful place of being entangled in my heart and my mind, with sin. It was terrible. I cried out to the Lord. I repented. The Lord generously and graciously delivered me, but it was a slow process. It took more than a year. And then I did so well. All those years, I stood firm, guarding against it by staying close to the Lord. Just one afternoon after I was idle, after I disconnected myself, I had to go back to God. I had to ask him for forgiveness and work through it again. I reached out to my people and I told them they prayed for me. It led me to a time of soul searching. We hear so often, follow your heart. 
But the Bible says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That's what I did that afternoon. I followed my heart. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. The mind governed by flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. God took me on a journey deep into my heart. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. The Lord knows you. The Lord sees you. The Lord sees everything about you. You know what I'm going to say even, be, even before I say it. You see, God alone knows our motivations. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. God watches us, yes, but he doesn't watch us like Sauron does. He is not watching us, waiting to smite us. No, God is watching us with a loving gaze and he places his hand of blessing on our head. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the Father's ocean, even there, your hand will guide me. Your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. What happens when we willfully choose to sin? We hide. Like Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. I too have done my fair share of hiding. But where? Where do we hide? Among the bottles, perhaps. In our gambling app. In a den of substance abuse. In a chat with someone we should not be chatting with on a website we should not be visiting, in a dark room with our computer games for hours and days on end, on the back, back seat of a car with someone doing something we shouldn't be, or perhaps in a lonely room inflicting harm on this body that God has graciously created. Maybe in a bog of negative thoughts of insecurity, what about among people who aren't necessarily the best of influence so that we can let our guards down and say and do anything without reservation? Do you know what this verse said? Even there, God is there. We can't hide from him. And he is not there like Sauron waiting to smite you. Even there, he longs to guide you with his hand and support you with his strength. Will you let him and ask him, to lead you out of hiding. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I invite you to pray this. Whether or not you are walking with Jesus yet, whether or not you believe there is even a God, try it. I started praying this in my journey of soul searching and God is so ready to jump in 
but it's not overnight. I've been praying this for eight months now, day in and day out. And I journey with a small group of ladies whom I'm super honest with. I actually put in 100%, but then I deleted it and wrote 98% honest with, and then I deleted it. And I'm super honest with them, okay, as honest as I can be. We pray for each other. We confess to each other, support each other, hear God together, and we worship together. Over these few months, God started to reveal, oh my goodness, you pray, you ask him to search you and show you, Ah, uh-uh, he will because he is faithful. And whew, so what has God revealed so far? I'm not going to share all, otherwise I might not get to become a minister. <laughs> no, 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 I'm joking. I'm a really good person. All right. Um, <laughs> the first thing God um, revealed was my pride. I realized that I had grown cynical and judgmental of others. I judge their motives. I I project expectations on them. And I think I know best and they have nothing to teach me. And you know what? I'm right. They have nothing to teach me because I'm totally not listening. And God had to, whoa, in just that journey of like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, God. Wow, I am so judgmental. I, you know, the, the running joke with Tim, I said, my husband, I was like, look at that person. They're so judgmental. I can tell just by looking at them. <laughs> None of us here are like that. All right. And the second thing the Lord has been revealing in me is my fears and insecurities. When I shared this with someone recently, they couldn't believe it. They said, you, you, uh, you come across so confident. I was like, Yeah. It took the Lord to reveal these things within me. Hey, I realized I had a deep fear, not just insecurity, deep fear that people will be angry at me, that people will start criticizing me and yelling at me, be mad at me. I'm a dangerous driver, furious, but not fast. I'm a slow and dangerous driver. I make many mistakes. I'm an Asian woman. What can I say? I'm going to get cancelled for this. Because actually, the truth is I know many Asian women who drive really well. Just not this one. And I realized over these last few months why I don't like to drive. I don't like to drive because I'm scared. I'm scared of people on the road yelling at me because I make mistakes and they yell at me. And you know when they go like that? I just, like, I'm thrown for the next 30 minutes. Oh, they're so angry at me. They're so angry at me. It's like, I don't even know them. They don't even know me. But it's totally irrational. And they honk at me. Oh, Please don't do that. Please be gracious on the road. I've said this on Facebook so many times. Please, just be gracious. All right. <sighs> Issues, you see? I, and that fear had, effect, had affected the things that I do and say at church. I'm so scared that people are mad at me. Towards the end of last year, our church started going through a season of transition. And part of that transition was a mixture of emotions. Some people were angry, and I was petrified. The Lord also revealed in me secure, my insecurities. I've been young adults pastor now for about three years, and um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess to you that 
for three years now. It's getting better, you know, slowly getting better. For three years, this is what I believe, and I say it. I'm too old. I'm not relevant. The young adults don't like me. They don't trust me. They don't listen to me. I've said that to Dorothy, my boss. I've said that to my husband. I've said that to God. I've said that to Ollie, the youth pastor. I've said it to everybody. I believe it. The insecurity. And that, those insecurities have stopped me from doing crazy things for God. It has, you know, and crazy things for God is my signature, okay? I, we adopted three kids. We bought a house. We moved countries three times with absolutely no money. We did it because God said. And then God just came through with all the money. That's me, okay? I've lost all of that. The insecurities have made me settle for the mundane. Not bad, just mundane. And God is starting to reveal where that is coming from inside and where that is hiding in my heart. Those are just snippets of what God is continuing to reveal in me. But He is so good. He is so gentle. He doesn't push me. He is so patient. One at a time, slowly as I can take it. So what have I learned? I'm still learning. Firstly, I'm learning to sit with God. Silent prayer, solitude, and Wayne talked about it this morning. Jesus was authentic. Jesus knew himself. How did he stay that way? Did you know that Jesus wasn't a monk? He didn't live a monastic lifestyle. He lived, his three years of ministry was full of pressure, and yet he stayed centered. He knew who he was. He knew what he was on. He knew, knew what he was about. How? It was his solitude with the Father. We need to follow his example to have solitude um, Spurgeon says, much of the formation of our inner man still proceeds in secret. Hence, the more of solitude, the better for us. What sitting with God is not? Let's take a look at that picture. We don't have this picture. All right. Yep. That is not what sitting with God is like, okay? We do not sit with God to achieve something, even if it is in a piece, okay? We simply sit with God and be in His presence and just be, allowing Him to love us, and then we love Him in return. I just sit there. Sometimes I literally just sit there like for five minutes and, or more, just silent, just being aware that God is sitting with me. Sometimes I think of a Bible verse when I'm sitting. Sometimes I imagine myself in a Bible story, and Wayne talked about this this morning. Sometimes I just think of God's love for me as I sit. I'm going to be honest. Is it boring? Yeah, it gets really boring at times, but it's okay. God's in the boredom too. I'm not sitting to get good feelings. I'm simply sitting to be with God. It's not good feelings I'm after. It's just Him. God promised that when I draw near to Him, He draws near to me. As I do that, He works to soften my heart that had grown proud and to make me have faith like a child again. The ultimate goal every day of just sitting with God is so that I will become more like the one 
I am sitting with. Secondly, I do the examen when I'm in bed. This, this is not an injection of some sort. This is a form of self-examination. It sounds like a, something from a medical company, doesn't it? No, it isn't. The examen is a self-examination. And the goal of self-examination is freedom. Freedom from destructive thought patterns, inner messages, and the way we wrongly perceive things. The examen is a, an ancient spiritual practice where I invite God in. I pray that prayer, search me, oh God, and know me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts when I lie in bed. I pray that. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And then I replay my day bit by bit from morning. What happened today? Where was I? Who did I talk to? And then I sense the movement of God, like where was I close with God? Which part of the day was God the furthest away? And... Um, through the examination of the day, I give thanks in certain parts. I confess my sins in certain parts, ask for forgiveness. And in certain parts, I go, God, why? Why did I do that again? Why do I keep doing that? The third thing I'm learning to do is to learn uh, to sit with discomfort. At Gethsemane, Jesus endured discomfort for the good that's to come. It's pretty uncomfortable to know that you are going to be crucified, to be tortured the following day. But Jesus endured it for the good to come. We live in a very suffering adverse world. Avoid suffering at all costs. If it feels good, do it. Doesn't feel good, don't do it. But sanctification and the process of becoming more like Jesus requires us to sit with our discomfort and pain and allowing him to change us. So when I ask God why I behave in a certain way during the examen, I, I usually see a pattern, you know, over a few days, it's this one behavior, you know, I ask God why. And then through the day, the next day when I spend time with God, um, it, the Lord brings that up. And sometimes with my lady friends, I ask them, why do you think I do that? And, um, and we pray and they are able to share what God is showing them. When we have bad behavior, well, I have bad behavior quite a lot, I'm trying not to ignore them now and just make excuses. Oh, it's because I had trauma in my childhood. I did. So that, that's just how I am. But I refuse that now. I know that God can change that. I know that I can bring that to God. So engage with it. Bad behavior, thought patterns, engage with it, invite God and journey with others in honesty. When I find something that annoys me, I used to just walk away, right? That's what you do for the sake of your mental health, just walk away. But now I learn to sit with it. I look at the pile of dirty dishes. Why does it annoy me so much? <laughs> Why, Lord? Why? And I realize there are voices in my head telling me how I should keep my house. Don't walk away from what annoys you. Often God, God uses those who draw attention to something that is happening inside. Now, it takes time. It takes work. It takes perseverance. I've been on this journey now for eight months and it hasn't been easy. It's been, at some parts, it's like, oh my goodness, let's stay shallow. That's nice. Um, but it is, has been an amazing journey. Sandy said last week, Sandy, uh, last week, 
Sunday morning, um, Sandy preached on practicing the pause, taking time through your day to just pause and breathe. She says, if we practice the pause, when we stop and we breathe and sit with God, maybe not a whole lot happens. Maybe a whole lot happens. But guaranteed, if we do it regularly, over the long haul, a lot will happen. He will transform us by renewing our minds and then we'll be able to know what's good, what's not. We'll be able to know what pleases God and what doesn't. With God's help and a few around me praying with me, I'm now crawling out of my pit of fear and insecurities. It's okay. People can be mad at me. Doesn't mean I'm not scared. It happened right out there in the car park as I was parking today. It doesn't mean I'm not scared. I am. But I'm getting more okay with it. I'm ultimately answerable to God. I'm beginning to feel the freedom to be crazy again. So I just want to say, be careful. Because, uh, watch out, because I'm a pastor here. So when your pastor is crazy, it involves you. And with the Spirit softening my heart, I'm beginning to see each person as they are. Each person as someone I have something to learn from. I'm beginning to be curious about people again, hungry to learn from everyone and everything. Because God is speaking, I don't want to miss it just because I'm too proud to listen. Maybe if I can invite the band up. Thank you. They were looking around. We're being very authentic here. All right. In order to be authentic with each other, we need to be authentic with God. I want to invite you to go on that journey of inviting God into those places where you're hiding or you don't even know. Just ask God, invite Him in. A journey where He will transform you to be more like Jesus. What we're going to do now is we're going to pray this prayer from Psalm 139 and then we're going to sit in silence for about 30 seconds, okay? Don't freak, it's okay. All right? So I'm going to lead you to start and then, like, really, you're just going to sit in silence and be okay with it. Just know that God is with you and He loves you. If you feel comfortable to close your eyes, Relax yourself, drop your shoulders, breathe. If the sermon has been so exciting that you haven't been breathing, now is the time to breathe. <laughs> Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I'm just going to lead you to take three deep breaths and then we'll sit in silence. As you breathe in, breathe in his love, his presence. As you breathe out, breathe out thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. Take from Jesus and give to Jesus. Breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in and breathe out. Now we will sit in silence.
Lord, in a world full of instant stuff, in a world full of filters to hide who we are, to project a different person than we truly are, a world of social media where we can pretend to be someone we're not. I pray that you will invite your people tonight, whether in person or online, to not be shallow anymore, to not hover on the surface, but to allow you to go deep. Say yes to Jesus. Invite him in deep into your heart. It's like your heart is a mansion, lots of rooms. Yes, you have invited Jesus in maybe, but there are some rooms where the doors are shut. And tonight is the time to say, Jesus, you, you are welcome into every room in my heart. Every space within me. I lay myself down. sense the Lord is doing something deep in some of you, touching spaces in your heart that you have forgotten, long forgotten. Father, I pray for those who have been hiding in maybe one of the places I listed. God, I pray that they will say enough is enough, that they won't want to come out. They want to break free. They want healing. They want you in those spaces. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and move. I thank you that you know us through and through and you love us. How amazing that I think if someone knows me completely, they will despise me. You love me completely and you love me. How is that even possible? Jesus, you've taken our sin, our impurities and died for them on the cross. That when God looks at us, he sees you. How incredible. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus.